Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 119. I've told you before, I don't care. But we're so close to the I'm Roaring Twenties. Oh, oh, oh. No, I didn't consider that. You didn't consider you that, Nick. Charleston next month, next month, next week. Just constantly. All through the Twenties. Really, Charleston's on podcasts do work well. I thought they would. It's a lot of shuffling of feet. And heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Charleston are you doing? <laughs> whoa, 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 there's a look on your face and then I know no, no, I know just... the real Charleston. <laughs> the Charleston I used to do. Wink. Then the first three steps, I'll be knackered. It's an energetic one. Are there other good 1920s dances that we could do? Or could we just be part of the... What is it? The bright young things where bright we just sit. Things. We sit in the corner and sip champagne and and occasionally read poetry yeah. and, and and are scathing about other people. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Evelyn War, eat your heart out. Absolutely. How are you, Nick? Out of wine. You're out of wine, and wine is a necessity at the moment, for it is still scorching in yeah, England. It is now less toasty, so that is encouraging. Because what well, yesterday hit forty degrees, <gasps> which is I know for people in America, it's not that hot, but it is the hottest it has ever been in the history of the UK. <laughs> You did not cope well. I did not cope well. I mean, I was and I was sitting in my office with air conditioning all day, which was lovely. And the rest and of us weren't. Can I point that I, out? I left the office to walk home and I died horribly. You just texted our little group chat going, "I'm on fire," I'm and on then fire. we heard nothing from you afterwards. Old sort of Victorian cottages, like I live in, they're designed generally to keep the heat in. They're designed for cold. Victorian winters. This is the trend um, that is going across <laughs> social media that everyone is embracing, but you knew it anyway. You knew it before everyone else started barking at you. English homes are built to retain the heat yeah. because it's freaking freezing over here most of the time yeah. and they don't know what to do. The houses yeah. don't know what to do. The walls yeah. don't know what to do when it is really, really hot and we are yeah. not a country that is built for air conditioning. No, so I was lying on the bed. I was just, <laughs> it, was just um, it was unplezant for all, well, all concerned. Only I was concerned. <laughs> there was no one else there. Thank God. You were just leaning out the horrendous. window screaming. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're FaceTiming me. You're just kind of going, look how hot I am. Oh, Nick, no. Come on now. No one needs to see that. <laughs> yes, it's a very British thing of us complaining about the heat. Obviously, we're in the south of England, so we really get the apex of all of the heat <laughs> anger. 
and typical me looking at the news and just kind of going Belfast got to like 25 going fuck it Belfast is going to kick off Belfast absolutely going to kick off no one has known heat like that over there they're going to be running around everyone's cancelled work there's marching in the streets this is the coldest summer we're ever going to have from now on climate change people it's a real thing but ultimate respect to all of the people in America who keep texting us going shut up shut up shut up up. that's cold we're on fire right now, and we've grown to live with it. We understand it. So it's hot. In conclusion, it is hot. In conclusion, it's toasty. In Amidst all of the burning, burning rings of fire, any poisonings this week? Oh, this is far too complicated to tiring to work such things out. Anyone who accomplished a poisoning this I mean, week, power yeah, to absolutely. you. Absolutely. Hats off to you. This would be the week to poison ice creams. That is true. Or well, a, I just ice. Or a white wine spritzer. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of summery drinks that may be poisoned and lying in a bed crying to your friends about how hot you are, I think it is time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Well, indeed. Now, I don't know where these people are. They could be suffering with us in the UK. They could be laughing at us in the US. I don't know. But thank you so much to Victoria Bennett. And to the appropriately named Summer Bex. Thank you, you delicious, sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. We love you. Thank you for joining us. It has been a ball over on Patreon this week. We've had a new video, another cocktail masterclass going out. And we've also been chatting about people who hide their lovers in attics. So if you do want more Poisoner's Cabinet content every single week, we do an extra episode, Deadly Nightcaps, on Patreon for but $5 a month. We have an extra tier as well for $15 a month, which includes another month episode which is coming up very soon you also get early access to a lot of our material and a very very special personalized care package from the both of us which will be going out to people very soon oh guys it's on its way it's it's very exciting very exciting looking forward to boxes of exciting merch coming to us well nick Mm. you ready Mm. okay this is wipe the sweat from our brows (laughs) get ready and our lips and everywhere everywhere else every just dab (laughs) under things should we drink cocktails and talk about poison if there's ice involved i'll do anything you like if there's no ice then fuck you we could drink poison and talk about cocktails <laughs> uh, poison is the way forward if there's no ice poison it is i think there is ice should we go with the first one yes hooray 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 it is nick's story this week but we can't we can't we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand as you know dear listeners every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavor our cocktail of the week nick's story so his pick and the secret ingredient this week, Nick, is... Miller's. Now, I love this. I thought I was quite pleased when I came up with this. Why? I'm not sure, but it tapped into everyone's witchy, spooky... <laughs> yes, mirrors, mirrors into the... Oh, mirrors are mystical. Yeah. Mirrors are the mirror, if you will, into another world. Lots yeah. of folklore around it. I've, I'm going to shout out. I can't remember who did it, but someone on Facebook, <laughs> when you put this, Vanity, the greatest poison of all. And I love you, because that was absolutely... Brilliant. Vanity. Vanity. Unfortunately, it's not uh, <laughs> in relation to this story, but it was it was brilliant. I loved it. Lucy Sharkey, you're a marvel with your vanity comment. Also, shout out to the person who said, are you finally going to do the story of Bloody Mary on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. Why not? Why not? We'll Absolutely. just do that will be one of our next videos of us just going bloody no, it's Mary. Not. None of that. You wouldn't do it. Would you not no. do it? You're a skeptic. You're more of a skeptic than I am. I am, but also scared of most things. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but I'd do it in your house and then leave you to yeah, deal you with the would. consequences. You, you would do that. 
you go in the bathroom and do it now and just go, ha, 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 and then run off. What do you think I do every time I come around here? Mirrors, old cursed mirror. If there's not a cursed mirror. <laughs> okay, okay, you're building this up a lot, I feel. I am building it up a lot. You, you, you're going down a particular <laughs> genre of mirror. We may need to rein your back slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Something obsidian. <laughs> But with mirrors as your ingredient, your inspiration. Well, I don't want a mirror in my drink, but maybe I do. I don't know. Do you not? To look at yourself when you drink it. Oh, it's me. Hello. Well, that's horrific. That's like turning the camera around on your phone. <laughs> like, oh, beast. With mirrors as the ingredient inspiration, what have you come up with? Well, I'm, I'm quite excited about this week's cocktail. Okay. Um, yeah, it's got something new in it. It's got something old. Are we getting married? I'm not getting married. <laughs> I just realised that. So, no, getting married. so we're having a smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. This sounds really familiar. I hope we haven't had it already because it's got something we've never used in it before, so I know we have. We can't have done it, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Ooh, I'm excited. Yes. Very, I thought it's got a very magician y vibe to it. It does. Mystical. 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 Cursed mirror and a magician. Or Paul Daniels, potentially. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, two, two sides of the coin, really, isn't it? <laughs> Don't ruin it. Debbie McGee coming in here. That's a very niche comment. <laughs> yeah. You have to have grown up in England in the <laughs> 80s to have understood the brilliance of Paul Daniels if you don't look it up on YouTube. Mm. Well, I. I think it is therefore high time for us to disappear, magician-like, into the poisonous cabinet kitchen. And we're going to go in there and shake up a storm, so we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. There appears to be some green shit floating on the top of my drink. There's a lot of shit going on there. (laughs) There's a sort of greeny drink with some stuff floating on it. It's weird. It looks weird. I haven't... It, it's So it's yellow, limey colour with a foamy head. So I'm thinking there's some egg white in there. But you've... you've the foam is broken up by some weird green stuff. It's like you've speckled it with bark. Actually, it looks a bit like mint. Crushed, though. Mint sauce you've put in there. Uh, this, this was me going slightly rogue. It could be horrible. Oh, did you? Did you, <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> did you go off mm, brand? You went slightly off-beast. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Well, smoke and mirrors. It doesn't look yeah. smoky. I was I was thinking there would be something... Were you expecting something actually smoking? Yes. Presented in like a big bowl of dry ice or something? Just or... once, Nick. Just, Just once. once. I want some theatricality. Let's dive in. Mm. All right. Merry mm, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, ah, meh. Oh, wow. Oh, that is smoky. Ooh. That's different. That's in... Uh, that was not what I was expecting. Yeah. And um, mm. I'm not sure. Mm. I'm going to guess what's in it immediately. Is there, mez- <laughs> is there mezcal in it? There is mezcal. Yes. It's the difference between the Islay scotches we've had recently where you've got smoky like, oh my God, it's whiskey. This is a nice smokiness of the mezcal, which I prefer. Citrus lime and... I don't know. It Lime. sort of falls away to nothingness, though. It does, really. It's actually a bit disappointing. So, Yeah, lots of mezcal goodness and lime, and then suddenly nothing. It has been complicated by too many things. Really? So, I mean, I've taken it exactly as the, the recipe prescribes it to be. Um, <laughs> the doctor of recipes. If I were making it again, there are, I think, at least two ingredients I would remove. With loads of ingredients, you only ever end yeah. up tasting two or three of them. It- there's a hint of something herbal in there, maybe, or something a bit... I don't know. There's got to be something weird going on for the colour. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to say disappointed with that one. I'm still going to drink it. Okay, so I'll still drink it. It's, it's not undrinkable, but it's not one that will re- I will repeat in its current 
guys. But I think it's worthy of some experimentation to get rid of some of the potentially random shit that's in there. So yeah, so we have a base of mezcal. Yay! We have mezcal, we have lime juice, as you have correctly surmised. We have some triple sec. A bit of Quandro. Wow, okay. There. Would not have known. So would not have not have known what that's going on there. We also have a bit of ginger. There. What? Yeah, there's some ginger liqueur. No, there isn't. There is. There isn't. <laughs> Lies. One of the things I think is probably it's not worth it. It doesn't need to be there. <laughs> right. In there. There is also some pineapple. Okay. I'm not but, getting um, it. But I'm not getting it. I don't think it's worth I don't think it's worth it. And a new ingredient new. that we have not had before. Okay. Which is an ancho chili liqueur. The what and the what now? There's so a chili liqueur th- a in chili this. There's a chili liqueur in this. Okay, I'd normally be all over that. So, Love something yeah. spicy. So I'm thinking, next. I'm going to make this again at some point. I'm going to get rid of the ginger, get rid of the pineapple, up the chili, and then just for you, I have... Yay! I've got you a wee glass. He's got me a wee glass. Of, it's an ancho chili, for, it's a Mexican ancho chili one. This yes. is a green chili liqueur. <sighs> Hence the greeniness. You can also get a red chili one. Personally, I'm not a huge chili. No. I don't like things that blow your head off. So I thought the green one might be slightly sweeter. Let us know what you think of that one. I, oh. I had a, I had a wee taste when I was mixing it up. Yes, I did hear you make weird noises <laughs> in the kitchen. I was like, okay, Nick's just having a moment. The cocktail itself, before I try it, yeah. mezcal lime. No idea there was pineapple in that. No, no idea there's ginger in it. I'm not even getting spice. I'm not even getting heat. I'm getting I'm getting a bit of warmth on the back of the tongue, I have to say. Um, I'm getting but... no more warmth that I would put down to alcohol. But I'm going to try this... Uh, try that. Chile liqueur. Ooh, that's a good smell. <laughs> that's, that's earthy. Yeah. Ooh. I really like so, that. Yeah. See, that, this needs more of that. Oh, my God. I think that... Add, add that to a margarita. Oh. Add that to, to this. Get rid of the pineapple. Get rid yeah. of the, the um, ginger. More of that in there. I think this will be... Fucking good. Well, that, that would is... be, in fact, be a margarita. Um... It should be, be a margarita, wouldn't it? Let's make that. Screw everything else. Um... That in some and a Bloody Mary. I know you're not a fan yeah. of a Bloody Mary. That is my cup of tea. That has got a lovely spice and heat mm. to it, but it's not blow your but head not off. Blow your head off. Really, really nice vegetably taste. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm going to have this. I, I'm, gonna have this and put, I'm, I'm actually going to pour it into my cocktail. You go for it. Screw you... decorum yeah. and mixology. I, I might actually do the same. I might pour a bit more of that in because I think that will really, really help it. And then. The, the recipe itself calls for a dusting of cayenne pepper across the top. Wait, what which, did you do, which Nick? I did, which I didn't have. But what I did, I did have some ancho chili flakes. What? Which is I've uh, put on top of your drink. Okay, but it looks like you put mint sauce on the I top of this. I did not put mint sauce it on It looks like mint sauce. They're chili flakes. They're not, though. They're just... There's well, just I was trying to be nice, <laughs> and it's obviously you are an ungrateful person, so I should never be nice again. I was going to say the most middle-class sentence ever. Like, How do you not have cayenne pepper? <laughs> I got You have the cayenne pepper in there. Oh, probably it's in there somewhere. But... Your housemate who has every spice known to man in that kitchen, you have cayenne pepper. There's probably a whole bag of it that you can't probably. see for looking. Okay, I'm not going to hate that cocktail. Hate it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's opened our eyes and opened mm-hmm. our palates. To a new ingredient. A new thing, indeed. Which is a good thing. It's a waste of good pineapple and a waste yeah. of good Cointreau and a waste of good ginger. What the fuck were those three doing in there? <laughs> they had no business turning the up to that party. Cointreau, I could see the Cointreau. No. Like working in that. It's like a bad margarita. Mm. And no. a bad margarita is still a good thing. You know, you know you're never going to be sad with it. It's just not really doing that much. So I'm going to pour the liqueur in here. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> party, party, party. I'm going to regret that. It was a good name because good name. mysterious, disappointing. It's all smoke and mirrors. At there the there fr- are a mm-hmm. number of different smoke and mirrors cocktails out there. Oh. Good look, there's this one. There's another one. There's about three or four. 
I went with this one because it's mezcal. I like mezcal. With our smoke and mirrors in hand and other ingredients that we've gathered into our arms <laughs> as we're walking down the street. Smoke and mirrors and other things. Is it time for a story? Yes, it is. Hooray! I am ready for a story. I have many drinks to mix and sip and cough (laughs) over. Today, we are taking a trip back to the good old US of A. Woo! To a small little town. Tiny. That has gone down in history as the site of one of the most gruesome and mysterious mass murders in history. Okay. So, if I were to say the name... Right. Velisca to you... (gasps) Would that be familiar potentially at all, maybe? Yes! <laughs> I thought I thought it might. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Oh, my God. This has been requested so it many has. times from our regular listeners, from Patreon listeners. Everyone said the Velisca axe murders. Yeah. There is a caveat to this. Nick did a sort of an intro episode. Well, unbeknowingly. we'll get to that. Yes. Potential there, connection. There is an episode on Patreon that people align with it well indeed so yeah any true crime devotee will have most assuredly heard of the Velisca axe murders and the, the horrors that befell the moore family in the early hours of monday the 10th of june 1912 i should not be sort of smiling gripping my drink and at the edge of my seat in a cozy manner going i am so ready to hear about the horrific murders yeah you probably shouldn't do that yeah, I probably shouldn't but, do that. But, it's the equivalent well, of cocoa at Christmas for me. But we will. <laughs> so, uh, so we shall start the day before. Sunday the 9th. The, the Moore family consists of Joe and his wife Sarah um, and their four children. Herman, who's 11, Catherine, 10, Boyd, 7 and 5-year-old Paul. Now they are a devoutly religious family and had spent much of the Sunday at the local Presbyterian church. That Sunday was Children's Day. Oh, okay. Um, at the church, and there were many activities for the children of the town, which had been organised by Sarah, who was very yet yeah, involved in the church. There are speeches and recitals and short plays that the children are getting involved in, all this sort of stuff. Adorable. And it's a, it's a great social occasion. Eventually, the day wraps up around 9.30 in the evening, and the family head back to their home at 508 East 2nd Street. Now, they are accompanied by Lena and Ina Stillinger, who are two friends of the Moore children who had been accompanying them to Children's Day and they are staying the night. Great names. Yeah, (laughs) Lena and Ina. So shortly after to midnight, the family have all gone to bed. The house is sleeping quietly. So now Monday, the 10th of June, a stranger makes their way through the moor's backyard, picking up an axe as they go. It's just lying on the side. The unknown person flipped the latch on the back door and silently enters the house. Now, we will never know exactly what happened in the house in those early hours, but the, the coroner later attempted to reconstruct the events from his discoveries um, and the evidence they found. So we'll go with that sort of interpretation. The mystery intruder takes an oil lamp from a dresser and removes the glass chimney from it and places it out of the way under a chair. The wick is cut right down. He lights the lamp and turns it down as low as it could possibly go. Okay. So he's very, very mysterious and spooky. Right. So he can see his way. So he can see his way, but it's not obvious from the outside. It's not going to wake anyone up. It's not bright enough. So it's as low as he can get to manoeuvre around the place but not 
interesting noticeable. detail. Good yeah, detail, good absolutely. Detail. I like it. Yeah. Carrying his axe, the stranger walks past one room on the ground floor where the two visiting girls, Alina and Ina, um, are laying asleep. And he slips up the narrow wooden staircase that leads to the two upstairs bedrooms. He passes one in which the four more children are sleeping and creeps into Joe and Sarah's bedroom. He swings the axe up and then brings the flat of the blade down on the black of Joe Moore's head, crushing his skull and likely killing him instantly. The flat of the blade? The flat of the blade, yes. None of the the sharp, pointy, edgy bits, but the flat of the blade, the back of the, the blunt backside of the the axe for for a crushing rather than a slicing before sarah can can wake or react to to any of this he strikes again and he brings the axe down again the flat of the blade on the back of her head it's not a nice story no it's not now leaving the bloody bodies of joe and sarah the killer goes next door and uses the axe to kill the four more children as they slept. Now, thank God there is no evidence that that Herman, Catherine, Boyd or Paul ever woke before any of this this happened. They hadn't been alerted to the commotion in their parents' bedroom. They weren't awake. It would have come as a complete shock and it would have been over before they they knew what has hit them. It would have been over. So thank God, in small mercies, they did not suffer. Small mercies. Moving downstairs with his axe, he goes to the room where Lena and Ina Stillinger um, are sleeping. And this one, we are not sure, but it's possible that the girls had indeed been woken by the thuds of the axe from upstairs. It doesn't change their fate and both are swiftly butchered. When Lena is later examined by the doctors, they notice a wound on her arm. Okay. Which some people have, some well, some people have interpreted it as a defensive, defensive wound that she had tried to ward off a blow. Alternatively, it could have been an injury that she had sustained previously during the day or in the days previous, and was actually nothing at all related to the case. And she had been fast asleep, and none the wiser. We don't know for sure. Now, the murder of eight people. Yeah. Two adults and six and six children is that is horrific enough, um, but what happens next takes the case to a whole new bizarre level of fuckery. <laughs> okay, that's a good description. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the reporters were saying yeah. at the time. It's a whole new level of fuckery. Yeah, I, I took that straight from the coroner's report. Absolutely. <laughs> so I don't think we can use the word fuckery in the press. You're going to do it today, yep. otherwise you're yes, fired. You will. Now the axe man goes back upstairs, um, and starting in Joe and Sarah's bedrooms, he rummages through the dresser drawers Mm -hmm. and using clothing he proceeds to cover up all the mirrors in the room or any reflective surface is covered by things that are dug out of drawers and out of wardrobes see this i didn't know yeah covers the mirrors he covers all the anything reflective anything glass right why is he covering the mirrors is is covered up in the mirrors well, one thought is he's now un- he's not able to see his own reflection. He's not able to see himself for what he does next. Hmm. And he systematically starts reducing Joe and Sarah's heads to a bloody oh. pulp. Ugh. Blow after blow after blow. It's estimated that, that Joe was struck around 30 times in the head with the back of an axe, leaving him completely unrecognisable. <sighs> pretty much with a, without a, without a head right. um satisfied with with this work he then pulls bed sheets up to cover 
to cover his handiwork. He then moves into the children's room where he repeats the same oh, awful, Jesus. awful method, covering the mirrors um, and completely destroying the identity of the four children before again cl- covering the the bloody bodies with bed sheets. I have a question. Yeah. But how did they know that they were killed first? Walk around, then the mirrors were covered, then beaten to well, death. Well, that, that's that's a, that's a very good question. That's very. I think they probably the assumption is that the amount of time it would have taken to do the rummaging to cover things, and then the beating, and then the, like the pulverizing of the skull would have alerted other people in the house. So if he did it all to the parents first, the children oh, would have been a, woken. God, they would have been really alerted. They would have been out of bed. Stuff like that. So the thought is that he oh killed everyone, God. so it was quick, and then went back and carried out this particular method with this particular mo don't like it but i like that logic so like, yeah oh, that makes <laughs> so complete sense where horrifically the of the timeline sort of sort of fits in wow with this wow. he's he's done what he what he needs to do upstairs Ugh. he goes downstairs and again administers the same punishment to the to the two girls who are staying over he then goes around the house and begins hanging cloths over every mirror Every piece of glass, every reflective surface is covered entirely Okay. in the house. Even if he'd not been in that room, it, he, go, he now goes in there and covers everything. Oh, there's, oh, there's, oh, there's so much folklore about mirrors. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. Well. Oh, it's just like, oh, my brain <laughs> they're, is they're, working over time here. At, at some point during this activity, he also he takes a two-pound slab of bacon out of the icebox, wraps it in a towel, and leaves it in the middle of the floor of the downstairs bedroom. What the fuck? No apparent reason. It hadn't been eaten. It hadn't been munched upon. It was just out of the icebox and on the floor. Now, it's unlikely that the family would have done that prior, so they assume the killer has done this. Put the bacon on the floor. Put the bacon on the floor. Um, everyone loves some bacon on everyone the floor. Everyone loves some bacon on Unless the floor. Unless they were defrosting the bacon. That's weird, though, if you're defrosting the bacon If you're defrosting the, the bacon, you, you do it in the kitchen, you do it in the larder, you don't do it on the bedroom floor. No, no, no. Nick, what offering is he making? Well, oh, <laughs> through the mirrors. No, 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 no. I don't like it. Nick, let's just drink mezcal and let's not tug at this thread. <laughs> Alongside this, 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 piece of, this piece of meat... No. Um, is a short piece of chain. It looks like it's from like a watch chain or something, something like that. Not like a heavy duty chain, but like a, a watch chain or a key chain. What? Something like that. Something quite fine. This is metal. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and this, this is not identified as having belonged to the, the Moore family at all. So it must have been something that either the, the, the killer has dropped or has placed there deliberately. We, that we do not know. Now, it is thought that the killer stays inside the house for, for quite some time. Maybe to, to rest after such a furious exertions. He's got to obviously complete his work with the mirrors and such like. Maybe to admire his accomplishments. We don't know. But there is a bowl okay. of bloody water is found on the table, indicating that he's most likely tried to clean himself off, tried to wash his hands. He would have been covered in blood, one would assume, after such a frenzied assault. So he's obviously tried to clean himself up a bit as well. Before he has left the house... Um, and locked the door behind him sometime before 5am that morning. Later, later that day, later that morning, the street is starting to come to life. But the Moore house is eerily quiet. Oh. 
Now, normally the house would be buzzing with activity. There are four kids there. Joe's getting ready for work. His wife's getting the family sorted. It would have been a hive of activity. Today, nothing. A neighbour, Mary Peckham, notices this unusual lack of activity Mm. and becomes concerned. And she goes, she knocks on the door. There's no answer. The door is locked. That's not usual, really. But she'd only seen them the day before at the children's service and they had not mentioned going away anywhere. So she becomes slightly concerned. And she contacts Joe's brother, a chap called Ross, who also lives in the same town. Yeah. Um, and he comes over to the house. He's got a key. He arrives at around eight o'clock that morning and he lets himself in hmm. to see what's going on. Has anyone been taken ill? They just don't know. He's barely been in the house a minute before he comes running out again, calling for Basilica's marshal, a chap called Hank Horton. He's, he's screaming that something terrible has happened. He needs the sheriff there straight away. Jesus. Now, Horton quickly arrives. Now, with him, he has brought along a Dr. Clark Cooper um, and a Dr. Edgar Howe, as well as the minister of the Moors uh, Presbyterian Church that they attend, a chap called Wesley Ewing. I mean, that's uh, that's good work. Yeah. Every fucker, well, come with me. The trio are then followed by the county coroner, a Miss Lindquist, okay. um, and a third doctor, Dr. Williams. So obviously hmm. the alert that something terrible has happened, where they really have marshaled the troops. It does seem like it's a small town and Ooh. everyone has turned up yeah, for it. it's not that. It's, it's a small town, but it's a busy town. We're looking about two and a half to 3,000 people Jesus. or so in the town. So it's not a tiny little village. So that's, well, that's eight people sort of murdered population. on one night. It, it, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's a big yeah, thing. Yeah. So they, yeah, they're getting the big guns out. Now, Dr. Williams is the first to examine the bodies in the house. And he is visibly shaken when he emerges a few hours later. Jesus. Now, by this time, the word has spread about what what has happened in the house. There was quite a crowd gathered outside wanting to know what's going on. The Moors are a well-respected, well-liked family. What the fuck's going on? Mm. And Dr. Williams addresses the crowd, saying, Don't go in there, boys. You'll regret it until the last days of your life. Oh. Now, of course, there is an instant stampede of people oh. wanting to see what on earth is to, to, to warrant such a dire warning. Oh, from, from a doctor of course, don't look don't people look, don't possibly look people it's, have virtue your eyes yeah. nothing to see here it's like it's like that news thing of like oh this may contain distressing images everyone's yeah, like everyone. glued to it or the Simpsons <laughs> where Chief Wiggum is walking around going okay nothing to see oh my god a flaming <laughs> wreckage everyone crowd around crowd around don't be shy yeah so it is, it is much like that and over a hundred curious neighbours and townspeople trample through the house the bodies are still in the house oh god the bodies are still there um the the police have not completed like a search or anything like that oh no that's just destroying evidence it's completely destroying it trashing any evidence they can um in one case um one particular townsperson i'm trying to think of the right word for them Bastard. Um, <laughs> removes fragments of Joe <gasps> Moore's skull. No, as no. A bit, of, a bit of a nice keepsake. Being, I've seen him, I've got his skull. What monster does that? Something, I'm sorry, something but... Something to tell the children about? No, no. <laughs> whatever anyone is saying in their head, going, well, the start the time there was no TV or whatever. This is what, <laughs> what, what year is this? This is about 1912. Well, this is 1912. 1912, okay. So there's no TV. The one play that comes to town. <laughs> is not coming back for six months you don't suddenly find your amusement by picking out skull yeah that's no no who d- oh there's, that there's person no, had problems that person had to, to going and looking around 
to don't drawing know. back the bedsheet. Um, yeah, that that we I don't know who the name of that particular person, but it is written about in multiple accounts that there's some yeah someone has done there's this. So- Jesus. Now so after all these hordes have trashed, pretty much ransacked the house. Really, there is nothing left for the police to go on. They have no idea if what they find is is from the killer or from any of these random yeah. ha- townspeople who have been in the house. They are completely befuddled. Really, a search is carried out in the surrounding countryside, and they find nothing i think they're hoping to find like a bloody transient person slumped <laughs> under a tree or something like or that. an axe covered or in fingerprints yeah exactly but they, they don't find any of these things they bring in bloodhounds to see if the animals can pick up a scent Yay! but the house is fucked because of all these other people so that the bloodhounds are going to every house in the bloody village <laughs> in the bloody town they have no idea this what's going on townspeople are left gossiping swapping theories and and mainly strengthening their locks on their doors and windows mm. <laughs> was the murder some sort of transient madman Villisca it is a small town uh, but a busy railroad passes through with over 30 trains a day stopping so it's quite possible that the the killer had jumped off a train committed his crime jumped on a train and been on his way again no one would be none the wiser he's miles and miles away by now but maybe he was a local Maybe he was someone with a grudge against the Moors. Um, No one knew. And over the following weeks and months, several names are mooted as the possible killer. One name that police feel warrants serious attention is Frank Jones. Yeah. 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 Know about this. (laughs) Now, Frank, he's a local businessman. He's also a state senator, influential in the town. But he is known for his tough and and ruthless ways of business. He's used to getting what he wants. Mm. I always love it when people say, he's known for getting what he wants. Yes, wielding an axe through all of his opposition, (laughs) apparently. Thankfully, there was no... As far as we know, business deals didn't involve an axe. (laughs) Yeah. But you you never know. Most of the time. That didn't come to light. He's also a prominent member of Villisca's Methodist church, Methodist community. And it seems the town is very heavily split along religious lines. There are Methodists um, insisting on Jones' innocence and the Moors' Presbyterian congregation insisting on his guilt. So it's very much (laughs) on which God you're going for or which method of God you're going for is which one you're siding with. But why would Frank want Joe Moore dead and want his family dead. Years before, Joe had in fact worked for Frank. Joe was the, had been the star salesman in Frank's farm equipment business. But in 1907, Joe had quit his job, likely over Frank's insistence that all his employees work 7 in the morning till 11 in the evening, six days a week. If you want a job with me, those are the hours. How about no? Well, exactly. Joe went, no, don't think so. I've got a wife and kids at home. I would probably like to see them at some point. So he quits. But he doesn't just quit. He goes on to set up his own agricultural equipment business in direct competition with Frank. And being the star salesman that he was, he manages to entice a number of clients to to leave Frank and join his new firm. Okay. And to become customers of his new company, which costs Frank a lot of money. He loses a lot of customers this way. Also... After a bit of digging, a bit of investigation, it, re- it turns out there's potentially not only business disagreements between the, the two men. Ooh. There are rumours in town, which also reveal that Joe was believed to have slept with Frank's daughter-in-law. Oh. Now, Joe, up until this point, was very much the family man, the church man. He's got a wife and four loving kids. Why on earth would he be sleeping with anyone else? 
but the rumours start that he has actually been in a... Rela- well, not in a relationship, but he has been Had sleeping. A dalliance. A dalliance, exactly, with Frank's daughter-in-law. Now, the daughter-in-law herself, I don't actually know her name, unfortunately. Mm. She's only ever referred to as Frank's daughter-in-law. But she is Lovely. a woman with a rather promiscuous reputation <laughs> um, <laughs> in town. Well, that is the reputation. Yeah, a woman who has sex somewhere at that time, it has got a promiscuous reputation. So let's take it with a pinch of salt. She's married. She's sleeping with other people. Maybe. That is the rumours say. That is the rumour. It is also, it is said that she has arranged to meet her various lovers over the telephone. This is how she arranges her dalliances. But this is at a time... (laughs) of the way this is like, of the telephone? But what are you saying? But this is the time when any call in... Velisca needs to go through an operator. Yes. So it says to Mabel, I said, excuse me, connecting <laughs> yeah. our car. So all these rumours are coming from like the telephone exchange system, oh, really, of the, God. the daughter-in-law talking to all these married men around town. To have Such been... Such a scandal. To have been a phone operator at the time. <laughs> that would have been my number one dream job. Don't care what it had paid. I'd have been sitting there huffing popcorn every day connecting yeah. people like you never believe who's fucking who here <laughs> exactly so they've got they've got all the inside gossip oh yes and this 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 is this is the, the this is the the information that's going about to town by 1912 relations between joe and frank have deteriorated so much that the, the men that they, they cross the road so they don't have to 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 avoid each other okay. if they see so there's obviously a deep dislike of each other and one can suppose this animosity between the two men could perhaps provide a motive for joe's murder but his wife four children and two visitors yes that seems a slightly extreme retribution or revenge so not everyone is entirely convinced that joe franks is the the responsible one he has never formally charged with any involvement in the murders but the, the public campaign to prove his guilt destroys his political career um, he has never voted in for Senate again, and he, he is done in the town, really. Many people in the town believe that he has used his, his considerable influence and political power to quash any potential conviction or charge against him. Then we have the Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. Lovely. The story goes that at 5.19am on the okay. morning of the murders, the, the Reverend Kelly leaves Velisca on uh, on board a westbound train, train number five. Now, when he is settled on board, he allegedly tells a couple on the train that he had heard rumour that there are eight dead souls back in Velisca, butchered in their beds while they slept, he said. All this detail, hours before the bodies have been discovered. Ooh, okay, he can't have divine <laughs> intervention there. If you just killed a bunch of people, are you going to be shouting about it? Are you going to be shouting about it? That is a very good question. Unless it's a double bluff. Unless it's a double bluff where people would think he would never be shouting about it, so I should shout about it. Yeah. Well, the Reverend returns to Velisca two weeks after the murders. And he, he in fact, takes a tour of the murder house, uh, posing as an investigator from Scotland Yard. Uh, the, the, The Reverend is, in fact, English. He's English, but has moved to the States for many, many years. But he has still got his accent. So he poses as a Scotland Yard detective. You should be very offended by that because Um. that's just turning up and going, I'm English. (laughs) What's all this then? I'm a Scotland Yard detective, I am. (laughs) That's exactly what he does. And he lets it get in. (laughs) And everyone goes, my God, thank God Sherlock Holmes is here. The the English accent gets you in a lot of places. I mean, it gets you a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The ruse is eventually discovered. But you're not a detective. You're not a detective. 
You're a crazy reverend, aren't you? Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> that's, that's not settling. Why did you do this? They discover that he, the, the Kelly has been in in town the Sunday before the murders and that he had attended the Children's Day service. He was a Presbyterian minister. He was, he was there on tour of local Presbyterian churches. So he would have seen the more children during their recitals, during their activities on the day. He also freely admits that he had left town on the first train the next day. Hmm... Looking further into the the reverend's past, they they do find a bit of a history of of unusual behaviour, potential what we would call now mental health issues. Okay. Um, he has a reputation for a slightly odd behaviour. The last time he had been in Basilica, uh, he had been caught peeping into bedroom windows. Oh, which is, which is less which is which is less good for a reverend. Really. Bad reverend. Bad reverend. They'd also found out. That once Kelly had advertised for a girl stenographer, a girl stenographer, girl stenographer, girl stenographer, because do, boys can't type. No, to do confidential work. The ad also specifies that the successful candidate must be willing to pose as a model. What? Yeah, the Reverend did this. The Reverend has advertised for a, a reception. Well, not a receptionist, but what? A, a yes, someone to do his. Still, but do some typing. Do some typing in the nude. But but pose for some modelling while you're at it. No, <laughs> and no one's questioning this. Well, Who applies for this? Well, Jasmine Hodgson applies for this. I mean, she sounds hot. Yeah. So yeah, Jasmine Hodgson applies for the position Wait. and receives a, a letter in response. The letter is later described by a judge as so obscene, <gasps> lewd, levitious, and filthy as to be offensive to the honourable court and improper <laughs> to be spread upon the record thereof. <laughs> and I really want to know what it says. What did the letter say? <laughs> I don't want what to know what that? the letter oh said. Oh my God, so lewd and levitious. Like, show me your ankle. My <laughs> God, man. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, really. What did he write? Was what he just he... just going for it? Going, I want to see your tits. And everything else under there. I want you to write in the nude. Also, other stuff. Other stuff. What? Sorry, I thought the fucking senator was the main suspect in this. <laughs> how is no? How has no one cornered the reverend? <laughs> Clearly, this man has issues. This man. This man has issues. Sexy um, issues. Sexy, sexy issues. Bad, awful, disgusting issues. <laughs> The, the the police also found that on the afternoon of the murders, once he had got off the train in a neighbouring town, the Reverend had sent bloody clothing to our local laundry. Oh my God! To be, to, to be clean, surprisingly, Kelly was what? repeatedly interrogated okay. by the police. Why was he telling people on the train about the dead family back in back in town? Yeah. Why did he have blood on his clothes? What was up with peeping through windows? What's going on, dude? He said. They say the police say. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 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 dude you're peeping through you windows. <laughs> After days of questioning, the Reverend signs a confession <gasps> to the murder in which he states, I killed the children upstairs first and the children downstairs last. I knew God wanted me to do it this way. Slay utterly came to my mind. And I picked up the axe and went to the house and killed them. Jesus. Okay. Later, in front of a grand jury, he recants his entire confession. Motherfucker! Claiming that the police had forced him to confess. Oh, this happens all the time. The couple 
who had claimed to have spoken to him on the morning after the murders on the train, changed their story. What? They didn't see him. It was all a misunderstanding. What's going on? Now they have nothing to tie him to the murders. Yes, he's a weird old man peeping through windows. No proof that he killed anyone. God no. knows what's going on. No. The grand jury refused to indict him. 11 to, 11 to 1 vote against indicting him. And he is free. Jesus. So not the business rival. Not the peeping priest. Who could it be? A third suspect links us back to Frank Jones, the businessman. This is too stressful, Nick. <laughs> it's too stressful. Do you need a beverage? I think we need another beverage. Okay, let's go with it. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We have our extra drinks. Hit me with theory number three. Third suspect. So now this links us back to Frank Jones, the businessman. Some people think, or some people thought, that that Frank, he is not going to swing the axe himself. He is, he's far too grand. He's also approaching his 60s at this point. Does mm-hmm. he have the, the strength to do such a thing? But he is perfectly placed to pay someone to do it for him. And that person is William Mansfield. Now, this theory is primarily pushed by a chap, James Wilkerson. Now, he is an agent of the Burns Detective Agency. And in 1914, two years after the Fasilka murders, Agent Wilkinson is on the trail for Mansfield for several other axe murders in neighbouring states. He is uh, Mansfield is the chief suspect of uh, the murder of his wife um, mm. and her parents and his own child in Illinois. Uh, the method chillingly similar heads bludgeoned to pieces bodies covered up with bedclothes and most tellingly of all mirrors in the house covered Mm. unfortunately for agent wilkerson despite what else william mansfield may have done he turned out to have a cast iron alibi for the Velisca 
killings. Um, records show that he had been working hundreds of miles away in Illinois at the time of the murders. Right. There is no way he he may have been responsible for many, many other horrible things. He was not responsible for these and he is released for lack of evidence. Then we have a chap, Henry Moore. Now, no, rela- no relation to the mm. Moore family, entirely separate. Um, several months after the Velisca murders, Henry is convicted of killing his mother and grandmother. Yes. Uh, the weapon of choice, an axe, of course. Mm. Now, was Vasilka a practice run for the murder of his own family? That is also a thought. But what if it's none of the above? Yeah. What if it's no one we know about? Another theory proposes that the Velisca axe murders are essentially the last in a series of killings that takes place over the span of years and yes. stretches across the US. There are numerous unsolved cases that are all eerily similar. Mm. Uh, we have Blanche Wayne of Colorado Springs. She and her family are killed in their beds in September 1911 by an axe man who heaps bedclothes on her and stopped to wash his hands afterwards, leaving the weapon at the scene. Then in Ellsworth and then later in Paolo, both in Kansas, more murders committed while the victims slept soundly. This time the windows were covered with a very obvious reason now to prevent passers-by from looking yes. in. Yes. The okay. bedrooms were on the ground floors. But did this seemingly practical approach evolve into a compulsion to cover no. all glass or anything like that? No. It is a theory that's out there. I don't buy that. There are many murders attributed to the Axemen of New Orleans. Six murders committed between 1918 and 1919 that remain unsolved to this day. And we will be covering it. <laughs> we will be covering that story, absolutely. Very soon. But yeah, were they the result of the same person? Some people also add the murders committed by Clementine Barnabet, who indeed yes. we have covered before. Between 1911 and 1912 in Louisiana and Texas, a whole series of African-American families murdered at night in their homes, having their skulls bashed in by the blunt edge of an axe. All in the name of the Church of Sacrifice. The Church of Sacrifice. So if you do want to find out more about Clementine Barnabet and the Church of Sacrifice, then go over to Patreon. There's a whole episode covering them. The evidence of her convictions can look pretty shaky, really. It's on... Yeah, Was she innocent after all and took the blame for our mystery serial killer? It is perhaps very convenient to lay a bunch of unsolved murders at the feet of one person who we don't know who it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's all their fault and we don't need to look anymore. Is that too convenient? Probably now dead, one would imagine, who was active f- over, yeah, at least 10 years across the southern Midwest states, axing his way across the country and was, ne- or perhaps was caught, but for an entirely unrelated thing and that's why he stopped these cases have never been attributed to one person the Velisca murder house still stands today and is now a delightful tourist attraction Oh yeah. uh, <laughs> should you wish to visit there are un- of course unsurprisingly there are claims that the house is haunted some people claim it is haunted by the spirits of the murdered children yes some people claim it is haunted by the spirit of the man who killed them Oy. the unknown mystery spirit who is trapped in the house if you are brave enough you can stay overnight 
visitors have reportedly seen apparitions and heard oh. children's voices, seen orbs go through walls and such like. I think I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So there we have the Velisca Axe Murders, an unsolved case over a hundred years old now. Yay, Nick! Oh, I'm so glad you did that story. Often requested, that one. Yeah. This is a fascinating period of murder history. Mm. Let's call it that. This is a time where there are several, several incidents, and we're not exaggerating, of axe murders in America, in different areas, but brutal, savage axe murders... And it just seems too much to be a coincidence, but possibly it is a coincidence. You know, what what are you what tool are you gonna use? This this whole theory that the axe is convenient. You have guns. You have guns available. You do, but also, I mean, an axe at this point is something that everyone is gonna have. You also have a knife. You do you also have, a, you do have, have a knife. A blunt object. But, but the best one in the world, <laughs> you've got to go for that. And again, as you've detailed in this story, sorry everyone, it's the blunt edge. It's not the yeah. person didn't go one blade through the head done. I'm going to beat someone to death with a very heavy object. That's basically what it is. And that is a pattern that is seen across other murders in the area. So it it is really interesting because... So many murders are linked at this time. There's what their book was written in 2017 and it's called and it's called The Man on the Train. Or mm. like that. And it it is Great relates book. to that the, I mean I've not I've not read it. I've come across it when researching researching this. And the theory is that there was one man who basically hunted along yes. the railroad tracks who just on the tracks going through all these towns butchering anyone he came across. Yeah. And they this this book claims that there are potentially up to 60 60 victims. Mm. Um, of this particular serial killer and that takes in all of these the Velisca ones the the Axeman of New Orleans they don't particularly go into the the, the, Barn- <laughs> the Barnabas ones but a number of the other ones we mentioned it takes in all of those and, and attributes them to mm. one man a chap called Paul Mueller who is a very disturbed young man from Germany but that is that then also a lot of people go well that's just lumping everything onto one person because it's convenient and it's just like, blame him for everything. Yeah, it's a very six um, of one, half a dozen so it of the is, other, Yeah, there's it? some people who go with, yes, it's the same person who did all of them. Yeah. Some people going, no, it's lots of individual people taking an opportunity to do away with personal grudges. And it's loads of different people. They're both equally unrealistic. They're both and equally, appealing yeah, at the and same appealing, time. And plausible. And yes, it's, it's plausible know. and ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. The fact that one person could do it, but it's very convenient to go, one person did this. And then the idea that multiple people were doing this is too horrific. So we'll go, okay, one person yeah. did it. But also that's impossible. At first I was like, <laughs> you're telling the tale, Nick, and you tell it well. <laughs> it's like the senator, the senator, that fucker. He did it, he did it it but would you go so far yeah you can all you can almost imagine him getting rid of joe if yes he, if he's business rival he in theory he's been fucking his son's wife but those are the rumors that if he Indeed. believes that's happened okay. whether it's true or not he believes that's happened Fair. so he's going to react as if that's true going for him going for him is feasible Making that leap of killing the entire household. We have covered cases. The most mild-mannered people in the world snap. And if someone goes a means to an end, greed is a terrible thing. The lust for power, the greatest poison of them all, (laughs) apart from vanity, drives certain people Mm -hmm. to go, yeah, okay, I have to make this look like it's a frenzied attack. And they go to terribly dark places, as we've seen. It's, it's, It's there in history. But I don't necessarily buy it. it. The reverend... 
the Reverend. No, 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 He's got some explaining to do. This dear old Reverend. What the fuck is going on there? To me, he's playing the. Oh, I've heard of this terrible thing. No one will think I've talked about this murder I've committed. He seems dodgy. He seems like a dirty, dirty, dirty priest. I, I agree. Dirty, dodgy priest. It's not because you're religious, but you use no, religion. No. They use religion as, as their cover. mask yeah, to commit the most horrific crimes. So he's but, an interesting character, but I still want to know what that letter said. What did the letter say? <laughs> and it's wrong that I want to know, but I want, <laughs> but to, I really know. want to know. I want to know how bad that he wrote sexy stuff was, and that judge was such a prude. <laughs> Must be some good, I mean, good for some good c- stuff. <laughs> the <judge laughs> That's the thing. It. It's either that the, the judge was that much of a prude that the, the guy said like, oh, I want to see your nipples. And he went, nipples? Oh my God. Or, or... the judge was very seasoned and was reading this going, this shit fucked up. C- covering bed sheets over the windows and washing your hands perfectly normal. That's not a, that's not an MO, that's just a normal, <laughs> just thing. A normal thing. If this podcast has taught us nothing, is that people <laughs> clean the shit up after murders. Sadly, they do. We wish they wouldn't because <laughs> they would have been caught. But the biggest, biggest, biggest thing in this is why did he cover the mirrors? Why did, he cover the mirrors? did he not want to be seen? Did he not want to see his own reflection but during the thing? he committed the first act. He did. And why leave the meat out? Why leave that, the meat I mean, that, out? That is, that is weird. They're leaving the... Two pounds of uncooked bacon on the on the floor. That that is weird. Let's just tap into this for a moment. You're a witchy bitch. Yeah, you're gonna go somewhere really weird with this. I'm not gonna go really weird. I'm just saying you know the occult more than I do. But still, the mirrors. There's a whole thing about tapping into another world. Why do you cover mirrors? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So there is, of course, yeah, they have religious and sort of occult connotations there i mean as far as i can see that has never been sort of considered as a as a possibility that it was part of a sort of any sort of ritualistic sort of aspect to it until um, now until until now yeah it is possible i'm not convinced that personally i think it'd be more likely that the the person who has doing such a thing feels so potentially so conflicted or yes. so guilty about what he has done that he is the compulsion that he knows what he his mind is telling him what he's what he's got to do mm. he's got to do these these terrible things this pulverizing of someone's skull but he cannot have any reflection or see himself do it in any mm. way i think potentially in my sort of i watched random tv program psychology <laughs> um, <laughs> well there we go there's lots of theories there's lots of thoughts on this one but most importantly what do you think people this is one we want you to weigh in on mm. what do you think of this one what are your theories what do you think who do you think was involved do you side completely with one suspect going absolutely it <laughs> was them do you think it's all been blurred too much do you think it's one person responsible not only for these murders but many of the murders that we've covered and we will cover in the future or do you think this is just a random attack we'd love to know your theories and your thoughts also about what are the motivations of all of the suspects you don't normally get so many crazy people who are rocking up or is that just convenient jump on the comments of any of the social media channels that you follow but coming up the axe man of new orleans is coming for you (laughs) if you have thoughts and theories on that case please message us about it it's a biggie it's traumatizing so you should absolutely 
mix up a smoke and mirrors. Well, yes, have a have a cocktail. The recipe will be out on Friday. I will put the recipe in its entirety as we have made it today. I think this requires some experimentation. Yes. I think it could be good. I think it could be more interesting than it is. It's like a new relationship. You yeah. want you, you you go with the first go and then you experiment afterwards. Exactly. I think we need to take some stuff out, up the quantities from other things. Boy. And I think it could be I think it could be an interesting one. Mix up a cocktail. Tell us what you're drinking this weekend. And just also tell us your thoughts and more stories that we could cover. And if you're inclined as well, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are... Trying to kill you. Oh.